On this day, O Lord, we rejoice. For in Jesus, you have kept all of your promises. The promise to deliver us, the promise to save us, the promise to protect us. But most of all, Lord, the promise to be with us. That your steadfast love, your mercy, endures forever. And that is our Savior, Jesus. So as, as we continue to prepare for Christmas, turn our hearts and our minds not just to the manger, but also to the cross. For there is our God, our Savior, giving up his life to pay the price of our sins, to conquer death and the devil, and to grant to us eternal life. And so as we look to the cross, let us look also to the empty tomb, for there we have the promise of eternity for us, that the word that was with you in the beginning shall be the final word spoken at the end. And in him we have life. So bless us now as we study that word. May we continue to believe in him trust in him and rejoice in him in Jesus name okay so uh, we are in John chapter 1 we, we did John 20 last week just as an introduction to the whole book because in John 20 is where the gospel writer John tells us the point of the book which is that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and by believing have life in his name so now we're going to do that now we're going to read the text of John. And remember, as we read, the goal is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Okay, those are two important things. He is both the, remember, Christ is Messiah. He is the Messiah and he is the Son of God. And the result of believing those things is what do you get? Life in his name. Okay, so that's the goal of reading this book, and that's what we're going to do. Any questions from last week as you were, went home and read the whole gospel and thought through everything we said? Any questions on anything else that you were thinking about all week? Corey, there are people near you that I don't know. <laughs> They're related to Katie. And who are they? Welcome. It's so nice to have you here. We're so happy you're here with us. We we love having them with us all the time, so it's a blessing. Roger? Who decided to order the books? I did. They called me. Um, the, the order of the books of the, uh, of the Gospels is kind of a mystery. No one knows exactly when they were decided. But this is the normal order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We, we really don't have a lot of manuscript evidence of any other orders. There are different lists of canons that we have in, in the history, but the Gospels are pretty set. It is normally Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of the exceptions to that is that some people link together Matthew and Luke, and they're referred to as the Gospels with genealogies in them. Okay, so there is a little bit of evidence for the for the for Matthew and Luke being side by side, and Mark and John. John's always last. John's just always last because you know it's the best. You just lead up to climax, but John is pretty much always last. Uh, Matthew and and Luke sometimes are put together because of the gospel genealogies, but the manuscript evidence we have is pretty much Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What order of written? When they were written? Or- 
Well, that's, that's part of the, the contingency is, is this reflecting the order in which they were written by date or were they put together for different reasons? Um, if, you, if you look at it in, in one way, Matthew and John are both apostles. Mark and Luke are not. Okay, so you have apostle, apostle. In the middle, you have two non-apostles. But remember, Mark wrote down the preachings of Peter. That's where he gets his apostolic authority. And Luke wrote with Paul, kind of as his authority. And maybe with the Virgin Mary, too. So you get some of that in there. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. But this is. But what is important is that we have no manuscripts in which these four Gospels are put together with other Gospels. It is always these four and only these four. You don't have a manuscript with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Thomas. It just isn't out there. Okay, The Christian church didn't do that. They saw these as different books than these other things that people have called Gospels lately. Okay, The Gnostic, the Gnostic they're not a church, the Gnostic group they had their collection of Gospels, but even within in their collection of Gospels, these were different. Okay, So the order is kind of set. It's the way it's been for a long time. Remember, in the early church, if you went to church like in 200 AD, your church would probably have two books. One book would be the four Gospels collected, possibly with the book of Acts, but probably not. Probably just the four Gospels. Four Gospels. <laughs> And then the other book you would have are the letters of Paul. Okay, those are the two books that we have the best manuscript evidence were circulating already by 200 AD. Separate collections of Paul's writings in one volume and the Gospels in another. Okay, and the Gospels were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are the books of the church. Now, first and second, first Peter and first John were also circulating widely at that time, but they weren't necessarily in a separate book. And the other books kind of came along later and got put put together. But but in the very, very early church, very, very early, we have great manuscript evidence that there was the, the Gospels were, were kind of seen as a volume and the letters of Paul were seen as another volume. Those are the two great books that churches would have. Okay? And the Gospels are always these four. Always. The manuscript is, is, is actually pretty amazing of these four Gospels just these four, and always these four. Okay? And remember, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I just want to i want to make sure we, we get this really clear. How many Gospels are there? One. There's one Gospel. It's the Gospel of Jesus. Right? It's the good news of what God has done for us in Christ. Now, these gospels now are gospel now means books, right? These are all the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? It's not Matthew's gospel, it's still Jesus's gospel, it's just according to Matthew. And that's actually the way the manuscripts preserve this. It doesn't, we don't have manuscripts that say Matthew's gospel. No, it says the gospel according to Matthew. The gospel according to Mark. The gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to John. And the gospel is very clearly 
the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right? Mark does not contain any mention of the birth of Jesus. John does not contain the transfiguration. Okay? John contains no exorcisms. So those things are not the gospel. All of these four books spend at least a third of their time talking about the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what they have in common. He is God in the flesh. He is truly man. He dies on a cross and he rises again. That's the gospel. Okay? So the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. That's what it is. Okay? And, and all four of these accounts talk about in different ways, but all get us to this event, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and what that does as God's work to save humanity. Okay? Does that make sense? So that's... And, and when you read these other Gospels that people keep finding... None of that is in there. That They're very different. They don't have this is the goal. Um, as a matter of fact, the manuscripts are different. It will actually say the gospel of Judas, the gospel of Thomas. The, man, the manuscripts are actually differently labeled than what we have as the four gospels of Scripture. So in no way are these other gospels out there even close to being the same as these. Just from a manu- on a manuscript level, let alone, and the content is crazy, right? The content is even close. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, any other questions? Okay. Let's read John one verses one through five. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Okay, thank you very much. Really. (laughs) That's just amazing. That text right there. I'm not exaggerating. There are people who have spent their entire lives studying those verses. That's how important they are, and that's how full of theology they are. Okay, so we are not going to spend our lives doing that, but we are going to spend the next couple years. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Number one, I'll do my best to get through it. Number one, of what other book does this beginning remind you? Genesis. Genesis, okay? We just did Genesis, so now, what other book? Lord of the Rings, Rings, right, which is written because of these books. But anyway, um, but in the scriptures, this goes back to Genesis 1, verse 1, right? How does Genesis 1, 1 read? In the beginning, God. And I don't want you to miss this. Genesis says, in the beginning, God. Right? John says in the 
beginning word. What is wrong here? So if you're an Old Testament believing Jewish person and you're reading John, you're going to say, no, you messed up. The only thing in the beginning is God. And John is saying, in the beginning was the Word. And they're saying, what are you saying here? What is going on that you are asserting that this Word is now where only God belongs? So right away, we have a huge problem in this book. Any monotheistic Old Testament believer cannot swallow this. Okay? Remember, monotheistic Right? Theism is the belief in a God. Mono is how many? One. One. So this is the belief in one God. Are you a monotheist? Yes. Who here believes in one God? Yes. Yeah. Who believes in more than one God? <laughs> That's because you're a sinner. Right? But I, we believe that the only one God actually exists. Right? And now John is saying, in the beginning, not Elohim or Yahweh, what does he say? Logos. Word. Okay? So, this gets us back to Genesis, but the problem is, we're, we're pulling the rug out from underneath you right away. You know the story, in the beginning, God created, and all of a sudden, John says, in the beginning, word. And it makes you stop and say, what are you getting at? Roger? We need to define beginning also because God has no beginning. Number two. <laughs> when is the beginning? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> However, I'm not going to let you. Think this through for a second. We just got done studying Genesis. Right? Genesis is all about God, right? Calling upon the name of the Lord. Remember? God's righteous guy. Whoever's attached to him gets whatever the righteous guy gets. God making promises. God keeping promises. And all of a sudden, if we're going to take out God and put in word instead, what's Genesis all about? The word being the one on whom you call. The word who has a righteous guy and whoever, gets, whoever is attached to him gets what he gets. The word making promises and keeping it. What's John saying? John's saying, everywhere in your mind that you read God, I want you to insert the Logos. And we're going to figure out who that is, right? So who is the one active in Genesis? According to John 1.1, he is saying that the word is the one who is doing all this stuff in Genesis. Okay? So who is the Word? Before we get too far, just so you all know that. This is Jesus. This is one of his words for Jesus. Okay? So he's actually saying Jesus was the one that was doing all these things. Well, you said wherever we read God, we should put in the Word. Uh Uh-huh. That doesn't work. 
we'll see in a second why that doesn't work. Yeah, it it exactly. That's the correct re- that's the correct reaction. Uh, it doesn't work both ways. It do I mean it kind of will, but it kind of won't. We'll see because we have to separate the two. Okay? That's we're, that's number 4. We're getting there. Okay. So, number 2. When is the beginning? Roger. When is it? Good. So our context of when the beginning is, is the creation. Okay? So the only context we have for the beginning is tied to the creation of everything you know. So in the beginning, something already existed. And what is that? That's the word. Okay? And God. This is what existed when there was the beginning. So before the context of creation, before that time, and time's weird now because time only exists in the context of creation, before the world was began, the Word and God were the only things that exist. There's nothing else. Right? What's that? Are we told when the angels are well, not now. After this. <laughs> Sometime in the days of creation, the angels are created. Okay. Sometime in the six days. That's the best we can do. Right? You guys okay so far? What hurts? <laughs> okay, so, so I thought Jesus was just God in person on earth. So how could Jesus have created Earth when He wasn't? See, so that confuses me. Uh huh. Good. Welcome to John. You, to have a word, you have to have people or somebody to understand it, or some way to communicate that. You have to have somebody besides the person who created the word, which is God. So it's all very confusing. <sighs> this is why John one one can can take your entire life to unpack because it is all very very confusing. And circular and weird. But this is what he's saying. In the beginning, before there was a creation, the word existed. We also know that Elohim, which is the Old Testament word for God, existed. So we know that both the word and God existed before creation. I haven't seen any spirit yet. I'm just saying what the text says. There's no spirit. This is the weirdest thing. See, now you brought it up. The weird thing is, John doesn't have an eternal spirit. Respond to the Athanasian Creed that they are all together. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, spirit hovering over. And once creation happens, we have spirit, that's for sure. Okay, so according to John 1 1, according to John 1 1, in the beginning is simply the Word and God. These things are pre-existent before creation. Okay? Now, the word is, and, and this is the weird thing, in Greek it's the word logos. So, logos 
is the idea, so number three, I guess we're on this now. Who is the word? The idea of, of the word is in, in 600 BC, this dude named Heraclitus said that the Logos is the thought or the plan of God that causes all things to come into being. Okay, so the Logos is this concept of, of within God, his thoughts or his will or his ideas are what brings everything into being. So that's, that's kind of the Greek philosophical background for the use of the word Logos. You guys know this because if you want to study life, which is bios, you study biology, right? And the ology is literally this word Logos. So, bios is life, right? And logos is this idea of, of how God makes it come out to being or how the divine plans thing. So, if you want to study life, you study biology, right? Psychology, right? All these ologies are this idea of we're going to study it. We're going to look at how it's planned and how it comes about, Okay, so this concept of logos now is is taken on by by John, and he says that this was in the beginning with God. Now here's the thing. Augustine says you can read Plato, you can read all the Greek philosophers, and you can find this in them. But what you will never find is that this logos ever takes on flesh. So what we learn in John 1, 1 already is that this word has, he somehow has the same characteristics of God because it's eternal. It's before the creation, right? And only God exists before creation. So this logos, this word is God, right? Because it's got all the qualities of God before creation. Not created by God. Okay, so that's a big thing here too. The word is uncreated. Okay, so the word is uncreated. Who else is uncreated that you know? God. Okay, so the word is uncreated. It's not part of the creation. It's before creation. Okay, so it's, it's this idea, this, this concept of something in God that causes all creation, but it's also divine, like God is, because it's before creation. So, what we say is, this is the way they classically say it, is that this is the second person of the Trinity, the Word is the second person of the Trinity. We also label that person of the Trinity with other titles. Right? We call it the Son of God. If God the Father is the first person of the Trinity, then the Son is the second person of the Trinity. We also call the second person of the Trinity the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay, or if you if you want to listen to the sermon today, it's the Advent Christ. So so the pre 
incarnate. That's a weird R. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that. What this means is basically Jesus before he has flesh. Okay? So there was a time when, when the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, existed but had not yet become incarnate. Right? What time is that? Before creation. Well, before creation and also all of the Old Testament. Is, is, is the Son of God around at that time? Yes. He just doesn't yet have his body. Right? Because that actually happens historically at the Annunciation. Okay, so how do you talk about Jesus before he's actually Jesus in the flesh? You talk about him with words like the pre-incarnate Son of God, second person of the Trinity, or in this case, the Logos. Doesn't the Old Testament identify in specific spots Jesus is an archangel? Not an archangel. He's the, the angel of the Lord. He's the angel of the Lord. Okay? So another way we talk about him in the Old Testament is the angel of the Lord. And remember that angel is is simply the word messenger. Okay? So he is the messenger of Yahweh. As a matter of fact, it might actually be easier to think of it as he is the message, Yahweh. And we'll get there in the prophets, okay? Yeah, Tom. Isn't it in the episodes where the angel of the Lord is yeah. in? Isn't there somebody that he is appearing to? Yeah. So somebody actually sees... Actually, someone sees the manifestation of God, and then God speaks. So we know those are instances where God is showing up in the flesh... And this is verse 14. We haven't gotten there yet. We have, we have 13 more verses to do before we get there, but, but, which will take us years. Um, but, but the only God who appears in the flesh is who? Jesus. Okay? And that's important. When God shows up in the flesh, it's always the second person of the Trinity, right? I didn't write that one. It's the second person of the Trinity. Okay? The second person of the Trinity is the person of the Trinity that appears in the flesh. Does God the Father appear in the flesh? No. No. Does the Holy Spirit appear in the flesh? No. The second person of the Trinity appears in the flesh. Okay? So when God shows up, who is it? It's Jesus. Every time. That will not steer you wrong as you read the Bible. That will actually help you read the Bible as God intends for it to be read according to Jesus' own words. Right? He says the Old Testament scriptures are, are the, the scriptures that testify about him. In Luke 24, it says, All this was written about me. Okay? So this is the way we read it. Any questions so far? So the Jewish people, they miss all that. And when John says, should I look for another, the Jewish people are thinking, 
I'm looking for another. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on in that text. Um, There's a lot going on in that text. Um, the 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 Jewish the rabbinic conception of God. They did believe that there were other things besides Yahweh that were eternal. Okay, and oddly enough, one of them is His Word. But they didn't use this word for word. They talked about the eternal Torah, the eternal commandments, the eternal. Um, name, okay? So they have a lot of different things. And, and oddly enough, all those things are things that are ascribed to Christ in the New Testament. So it's really fun. Um, but the, the rabbinic teaching of what was eternal included the attributes of God. And therefore, one of the things that was an attribute of God was the giving of his Torah. So the Torah, which, which remember, Torah is simply the words given to Moses, right? All the teachings about who God truly is. That's the Torah. And the, and the rabbinic teaching was that the Torah is eternal. Which is kind of cool. So we'll get there. Okay? Number... Okay, so that's the word. Everybody got that? The word is in eternity with God, but it's not the same thing as God. Right? I mean, look at the text. In the beginning was the word, and the word was... With God. So it's not the same thing as God. There are two things now that we're talking about in the beginning. Which is why your brain should be freaking out because according to Genesis, there's only one thing. Is, is there an argument that the, in, the, in the word, it was spoken. Yeah. And in that, I'm going to say breath, the spirit is also there. Nope. No, the exhaling of words is not yet a, a concept. The breathing with speaking is not really a thing yet. That's not part of this. I know everybody wants to get the spirit in here, but you can read the whole thing and there, there isn't any spirit. It's okay. You'll come later. Everybody's so worried about the Holy Spirit, except the Holy Spirit. He doesn't seem to ever be concerned about himself. We're always like, we got to get him in there. He's like, I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> Just get to Jesus and you'll be fine. If you believe in Jesus, who's the one working? Spirit. Holy Spirit's the one who gives you that faith. So just get to Jesus and the Holy Spirit who is there. Don't worry about it. Okay? He'll take care of himself. He is God after all. Right? Yeah, there's no spirit. This is the weirdest thing. And John does this. This is also in 1 John. There's no spirit in 1 John until the end of chapter 3. There's literally no Holy Spirit. 1 John 1, 1 John 2, 1 John 3, no Holy Spirit. And at the end of 1 John 3, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up. And guess what the first half of 1 John 4 is about? The Spirit. Once John starts mentioning the Spirit, he's like, oh, by the way, Spirit does this and this and this and this and this. Same thing in the Gospel of John. Once the Spirit shows up, he shows up in a big way. Okay? Matter of fact, he's the only way to get into the kingdom of God. So, keep coming. You'll, find, you'll, you'll learn that too. All right, so number four, who is God? The Word. Nope. That's what it says. Nope. The Creator. The Word was God. Not yet. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. With God. So, we can't skip ahead. we got to go slowly. Okay? Go ahead, Steve. So, somehow, in the, in the beginning now, we have the Word, but it's, it's the Word that's with God. He's not with Himself. He's with God. So, how many things are there? We've done this already, but how many things are there? Two. Two. Okay? So we have Word and God. Okay? Now, if the Word is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who's God? The first person of the Trinity, we call the Father. And this is consistent in the prologue of John that the Word and God are two separate persons of the Trinity. Okay? And if the Word is the Son, then God is the Father. And this is explicit in John 1.18 because the Word is the one that's in the bosom of the Father. Okay? So, this is what God, what John is teaching us right away is that when you read Genesis, you missed this. But, at the time of creation, the Word was with the Father. Okay? Now, this is in the Old Testament. In Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is assigned the role of being with God at the time of creation. Okay? So this isn't totally new. But in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom, the wisdom of God was with God at the creation and helped out in creation, which we'll get there when we get to John uh, 1, verses 3 and 4. Okay? But this is a new concept. But everybody okay so far? We have God and the Word. So how many things do we have there? Two characters. We did this in Genesis. We're going to talk about those characters. It makes it easier. Two characters. One's called the Word and the other's called God. And they both exist at creation, before creation, pre-existent eternal beings. Okay, a couple of hands. Okay, Tom? Where, where does Genesis 18 one fit in this? 18.1? The visit to Abraham? Yeah. It fits in well. He, he's showing three. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> Just let John be. Okay? He John has read all of this. He knows it. He's just getting there. Okay? Give him a chance. John knows about the Holy Spirit. He's not trying to please you. He's just writing. But I know, the Holy Spirit's in there, don't worry. We're not denying this is the Holy Spirit, but John does not have him yet. So we're just gonna let John be. If you say that the Word was with God, yeah. using human logic that would seem to imply that maybe the Word is not God. Right. That's exactly right. It seems like at this point we've got two things. Word and God. Which would lead you to believe that the Word is not God. John did not want you to think about that too long, so immediately he says, Karen... 
The word was God. The word was God. Okay, so so don't freak out, <laughs> right? So, but but we've got we got to take this phrase by phrase by phrase. I'm I'm telling you, he wrote it this way for an important reason. So, number five, why is it important that the word was with God? Good, because now we're getting into the theology of the Trinity. He's not saying that there is no God the Father. Right? He's not saying that Jesus is the only person in the Trinity. No. He's saying that, that this God who exists in the beginning is actually more complicated than you thought. The, pr- the plurality of God in the Old Testament is going to become explicit in the Gospel of John. He's going to explain it to us. That this God, this Yahweh, this Elohim of the Old Testament is actually three persons in one essence. We're looking at two of those persons right now. And he's saying they're not the same person, but they are the same God. Right? One essence, one being, different. We know there's three, but he's only talking about two persons in that being. Okay? This is what he's getting at. This is why it's so hard. So, we have the the Logos, we have the Theos, and they're not the same thing at this moment. And yet, Karen can't wait to get ahead. So now, what happens is, the next phrase, so look at John chapter 1, verse 1, the last phrase. And the word was God. Does your Bible say was demigod or kind of God or God but not quite as much? It's a very blunt statement. This word that we've been talking about, not only is it with God, it actually is God. Okay, so here's your, here's your Christology quiz. Is Jesus as much God as the Father is God? Is Jesus equal to the Father? Is Jesus the Father? I thought they were exactly equal and... The same height. Same height. <laughs> right. What's that? Submits to it. We'll get there. That's 14. He's not equal. He is equal. Well, I think he is equal, but he's not the same. Not the same. Good. So what, what we're getting at is that in the person of the Trinity, the three, or in the Trinity, the three persons are all equal, but they are different. Right? Is the Father eternal? Is the Son eternal? Is the Holy Spirit eternal? We're not there yet. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. Right? Is the Father almighty? Is the Son almighty? Is the Spirit almighty? And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. 
Is the Father created? Is the Son created? Is the Holy Spirit created? No. No, they are not created because they are God, right? It is God. How do you talk about it? The three persons of the Trinity, none of them are created. So, is the Father begotten? Is the Son begotten? Yes. Is the Spirit begotten? No. So the Father is uncreated and unbegotten. The Son is uncreated but is begotten. The Spirit is uncreated and unbegotten. But we got to figure out what He is. So, is the Father proceeding? No. Is the Son proceeding? No, He's begotten. Is the Spirit proceeding? Yes. So the Father is uncreated, unbegotten, and not proceeding. The Son is uncreated and not proceeding, but is begotten. begotten. The Spirit is uncreated, unbegotten, but is proceeding. See? How, how could you not understand that? <laughs> okay? So, so this is the way the church has tried to wrestle with this idea that when we talk about the second person of the Trinity and we talk about God the Father, they're totally equal when it comes to being God, and yet they're not the same person. Okay? And person is kind of a technical term for exist, uh, instantiation of existence. Okay? So this is the Athanasian Creed. The entire point of the Athanasian Creed is to explain John 1.1. 1, 1 and all the questions it causes. It's like, well, wait a minute. Are you saying? And the answer is yes, but no. Okay? So here's the question. Here's what I just want to make sure we all get. Is Jesus fully God? Is he created? No. no. He is uncreated just like the Father. The second person in the Trinity is eternally existent with the Father. Right? Okay? Is Jesus actually God the Father? No. They are two different persons of the Trinity. So in our excitement to call Jesus God, we can't get rid of God the Father. Right? We've got to keep them both. Because, this is important, did the Father suffer for you on the cross? No. No. Only the Son. Did God die for you on a cross? Dr. Bonick? Did God die for you on a cross? Yes. Behold your God. If you didn't catch it in early service, come back. It's in the sermon. He talks about this, right? This is your God. And yet it's not the Father or the Spirit that's dying. It is the Word. The second person of the Trinity. Okay? Fully God. This is what Christmas is all about. That baby is God. It's the Word in flesh. It's the eternal God with 
tiny, cute little hands. That doesn't make any sense. But that's the way it goes, okay? All right, so number six. Who then is the creator? Jesus actually is the creator. Yeah, sorry. I know the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. But read John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. All things were made through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was made. Who's the Creator? It's Jesus. This is one of the things you're going to learn as you, as you read the Scriptures, is that the creation is actually something that's ascribed to all three people, persons of the Trinity. Okay? The Father is the Creator, the Son's the Creator, and the Spirit creates. This is simply one of the things that all three persons of the Trinity is ascribed. So, who created this entire universe? Jesus Himself. Okay? This takes us right back to Genesis chapter 1. Wait, you just said that it was through him that it was created, but mm-hmm. you still say Father created. Good. Right. So, because this is assigned to all three persons of the Trinity throughout Scriptures, what do we say? We say, now we have to understand how all three are active at creation. And Genesis 1 does this for us. So, go to Genesis chapter 1. It's the very first chapter of the, gen- of the Bible. It's not hard to find. Yeah, we got to start Genesis again. Okay, Genesis chapter 1. It Now that we've read John 1, 1 through 3, we can go back and read Genesis 1, and it all makes sense. It's all right there for you. Okay? In the beginning, what does it say? God created heaven and earth. So, at this point, who is that? It's the Word. Remember, we just went over all this. In the beginning was the Word. word. So, we're going to put Word in there. So, in the beginning, the Word created heaven and the earth. Of course, that word, God, word is with God. So, you have God and the Word both there together. The earth was formless and void, and the darkness was fear, and uh-oh, and the Spirit. Spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the deep. So, now we have the Spirit. Well, now we've got to see how this all, all this works out. So, verse 3, and... God said. So now we have God the Father speaking through the Son in order to create the world. So now we have God the Father creating the world through His Word, which is exactly what John says. Through Him, all things are made. So, the Father creates the world through His Son. The life of the world is, now this is going to get weird, the life of the world is the Son and the Spirit. When God wants to give life to things, He breathes His Spirit into them. But we'll also learn in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that Jesus is actually the life of the world. Okay? So we have, again, the Trinity entirely involved in creation. It's not just God the Father acting alone. It's God the Father speaking through His Son, Jesus. The whole Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. The Trinity is present and active in creating the world. Okay? 
It's not just God the Father acting alone. The second person of the Trinity is there and is doing it. So when I say God, I think of the Trinity. I think of all. Good. That's good. So Most people don't. Why, if God created it, it's all of them. Yes, good. That's what John is saying. No, I'm saying, not, no, I just said, the Father creates through the Son and the Spirit is hovering. All three are active. But what John's helping us see is that it's, when you hear the word God, don't just think of Father. Start thinking of Father with the word. Okay? Most people, most people, even biblical scholars, when you say God, they think Father. Right? I mean, just think about it. Do we worship the same God as the Jews and the Muslims? And people say, well, we all believe in the God of Abraham. We all believe in the God of the Old Testament stories. We all believe in one God. They're not thinking Jesus. They're thinking Father. Right? And what John is saying is, no. Change your thinking. When you hear God, I want you to think eternal logos. I want you to think second person of the Trinity. I want you to think the, the, the second person of the Trinity with the Father. And the second person of the Trinity is God equal to that Father. Now, here's the thing before you guys leave. Why does it matter? And why does it matter who Jesus is? What's that? Because Jesus is the one who's going to say, my death removes your sins. And if he's not who he says he is, guess what? Doesn't do you any good. But when Jesus says, I and the Father, we are one, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it back up again. If he is who he says he is, then life is found in his name. Then life is found in his resurrection as the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. If Jesus stands and says, I am the resurrection and the life. If Jesus stands and says, I received judgment from the Father. I get to judge. I get to give out life as I please. And he's God. You might want to be on his side. See? So John is going to take a lot of time to help us understand who is this Jesus? He's not just a nice guy. He's not just a lofty prophet. He's not just the latest in the line of guys who talk about God. No, he's actually God in the flesh. So every time he speaks, listen. Because that's the mouth of God. As a matter of fact, it's the very word of God. And when you open this that we call the word of God, now you know about whom it's written. It's written about the one who he himself is the word of God. Okay, that's why this is so important. Are we okay? Okay. So, 
If you want to understand what I've been talking about, read the Athanasian Creed. Don't get freaked out by it. It's actually one of the. It's actually more simple than the other creeds. You just don't think it is because it's so weird sounding. But the whole point of the Athanasian Creed is this: that when we say Trinity, when we say God, what we mean is there's one essence, there's one substance, and that is properly called God, right? In that substance, there are three persons. Those three persons are Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're not the same persons, but they're all one substance. Once you understand that, now the creed says this. I told you all of that so you can understand this, that the second person of that trinity took on flesh and has two natures, human and divine. So in one of these persons, the, one of these three persons of one substance, one of those persons has two natures, divine and human. He is truly God and he is truly man, which means when he dies on a cross and rises again and gives to you forgiveness of sins, you can trust it. Because who's doing that? God. And everything he does is in concert with the will of God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can trust in Jesus for your entire eternity because of who he is. Right? Anybody else got that kind of authority? Nope. So we run to Jesus. And what we find when we get there Listen, listen to this. What you find when you get to Jesus is the God of steadfast love, a God of forgiveness, a God who has conquered sin, death, and the devil because you couldn't. And he gives it to you freely. He says it's all yours. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven is yours. The Father's kingdom is yours. Because God in the flesh has won it for you. Yeah? We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we don't understand. It's all very complicated and confusing. But when we see our Savior, Jesus, when we see Jesus, Lord, teach us the simple truth that He is your love for us that he is the eternal son, that he is our God in the flesh, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he is our redemption, he is our hope, he is our salvation. And Lord, today, let him be our joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.